Greetings. This is Shane Ross, and this is the Edibate Podcast, Episode 54, Screening Stories. The Edibate is sponsored by Blackmagic Design. Did you know that Blackmagic makes video capture cards? No, they really do. All sorts. Ones that connect to big towers via PCIe, some via Thunderbolt, and some via USB 3. All of these cards work with a major editing software. And for the ones that don't, Blackmagic provides capture and output software. So if you need to capture video from an external source, Blackmagic has you covered. Blackmagicdesign.com, leading the creative video revolution. When I was a freshman in high school, my history teacher was a proud new mother. She had a baby the previous year and loved to come in and tell us what a great thing her little boy did over the weekend or the previous night. Now, us being typical students and wanting less actual class time as possible, we had gotten together and planned to ask her about her son every day before class began. She would launch into great, long, motherly admiring stories that were a bit boring to a 14-year-old, but hey, it was less time we had to deal with the Emancipation Proclamation. So we went with it. Of course, it didn't take her too long to figure out our ploy, but it worked for a good week or two, and that was fine for us. Of course, she did get back at us by always bringing up her son every day in the most gory detail. My son ate his first solid food last night, and man, that diaper this morning! Yeah. Let's fast forward to current day. Location, not my edit bay, but the lead editor's edit bay that also serves as a screening room. And in this room is the executive producer of the company. He watches every episode before we send it to the network, and all of us editors, researchers, and producers watch it with him so we can all hear his notes firsthand. Now, under normal circumstances, screenings of shows might take an hour or two. 40 to 48 minute shows with pauses multiple times to hear notes, make adjustments on the spot, you know, the usual process. But what will often happen before the screening, while we wait for everyone to arrive and settle in, is the usual chit chat, but this might morph into some great story from the executive producer. You see, he used to teach film in college and is a huge film history buff so he's got all sorts of knowledge. For instance, one day while I was looking out the window of the screening bay, I noticed this big billboard for some current movie and it had seven actors on the posters and their names. But the names didn't match up to the faces. Not one of them. And this is very common. Rarely do the names and faces match up on those big billboards or movie posters. So I made a comment about this. Now do you know how that started, he asked. We all didn't know and shook our heads. The Towering Inferno he replied. Paul Newman and Steve McQueen. They both wanted, well actually their agents both insisted on equal billing. Equal importance in how their name showed up on the screen. Steve McQueen's name appeared first, on the left, but Paul Newman's was just slightly higher. Now if you want, you can pause right now to go look up Towering Inferno open credits on YouTube to see this for yourself. It's pretty neat to notice this now that you know why it is the way it is. He went on to state that at first, Steve McQueen was slated to play the part of the architect, but he read the script and rather liked the action hero part of the fire chief. He insisted, now this time it was he and not the agent, that he had the exact same number of lines as Paul Newman, who was now cast to play the architect. For the script didn't have that many lines for the fire chief, so it was rewritten so that he had a lot more, the exact same number of lines as Paul Newman. Yes, these stories did make the screenings go longer, but I don't know if most of us minded. I sure didn't, because I learned some great film history in the process. 
Like the time he told us about the whole process of creating what is now the current logo to 20th Century Fox, or how his name ended up as executive producer on a major Hollywood movie. My favorite story came up when he looked at all three of us editors sitting in chairs across from him. There was me with my curly hair, a bald editor, and an editor with black hair. He made an offhand comment how we looked like the Three Stooges, and after quite a giggle from the room, he launched into a history of the Three Stooges. How it started out as a vaudeville act called Tom Healy and his Stooges, Tom Healy being the straight man, and Mo Howard, his brother Shemp Howard, and Larry Fine being his Stooges. Now they made one film before Shemp left on a solo career, so Jerome Curley Howard, Mo's other brother, took his place. Curly being the main goofball that we're all used to when we watch The Three Stooges. Now after many films, many years, Curly suffered from a major stroke, and Shemp returned. The original Stooges were back together again, and this lasted for about a decade, but then he had a heart attack, so another actor, Joe Palma, came in to sort of replace Shemp, and was known as Fake Shemp. But then this contract came up, and Curly Joe came into the picture. Now this story went on a bit more, like how they didn't really make money off the replaying of the films on TV due to all the contracts at the time, and they were famous, but they were very, very poor, until they did new TV shows and new movies. It was quite interesting. Sure, the screen was delayed for an hour, but I love this stuff. We get stories like this all the time. If it wasn't older film history, we might have some current film history, or TV history. One time, he launched into a story about dishware that was enclosed in detergent as a marketing ploy to sell that detergent. That really wasn't all that great. It was pretty low quality. But for many Americans, that was their dish brand. Now, this was to illustrate some point about how a low-quality show was able to be seen by lots of people by putting someone interesting in it. To be honest, I can't recall what brought it up. I just recalled the story because, interestingly, that triggered a memory from my youth. I remember using that brand of detergent. That's how my mother and I got all of our glassware. We used that brand of laundry soap. I shared my story with him. And a few weeks later, wouldn't you know it, he surprised me. He gave me a set of six glasses from my youth. All right, that's it for this week. Please join me next time for a story from The Edit Bay.